0: All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Nephew Hours. I'm your host, Miggy, and today I'm joined by Usman. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm happy that playoff basketball is back. It's good. So far, we've had a good amount of uh, drama and a good amount of games. And I'm excited to talk about it with you guys um, because it's it's been an eventful, let's say, like weekend and like a couple of days into the week because these games have lived up to the, to the hype. And I think it's more than just because we have been like basketball deprived the past couple of months, but it's just great seeing competitive, you know, playoff basketball again.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've had a good amount of upsets, uh, close games, blowouts, gotten the full, uh, the full monty so to
0: speak <laughs> <laughs> i know um so right now we are recording this on tuesday august 18th at uh, four twenty-seven p.m so whatever games have been played by this point um we're gonna talk about so we won't be talking about the houston and thunder game because that's currently happening right now but um on top of these playoff games though we have excited you know we have news that we did talk about last episode that we wanted to happen in the fact that uh, Chicago and the Kings are finally free from tyranny. We'll talk about, we'll talk about that later, (laughs) as well as, you know, the Pelicans finally pulling the plug on Alvin Gentry when we'll, we'll dive deeper into that later. So going back to the playoffs, you know, let's, we'll dive into that first and let's talk about the first thing um, that happened and, and it's this play in tournament and on on Saturday we had Portland versus Memphis to see who would get into the 8th seed and i i am 100% in favor of seeing the play in tournament happen for future seasons because of the fact that it made the whole bubble race exciting in the west and it made it Saturday was just an ex, was an extraordinary game because you thought you know Portland was going to run away with it but here comes John Moran, you know, all by himself, like bringing the Grizzlies almost to the brink of forcing, you know, a do or die game on Sunday. So in my opinion, like it was great to see Dame, you know, and CJ and Nurk, you know, that trio finally healthy together to really pop off and bring Portland into the playoffs when they were about like the 10th seed when this all started. So I think the play in tournament should stay. Maybe they should like adjust, the, the formatting of it instead of, you know, being four games ahead, maybe like two within two games or one game or even tied because I, you know, th- this only worked because of a specific circumstance of why we needed to play in tournament. But if we're able to make it a lot more clear, maybe you do like an eight, nine, 10, 11 thing where those, those four can battle out for the eighth seed. That would be see. cool. Uh, see, the way I see
1: it is that I think if they do keep it, they'd probably keep the same format. Because if you do do it like the seeding way, as you said, then you would have like, I mean, you'd have like the 25 win box <laughs> the, or something. Yeah, sure. spot. Like, this one, this play in tournament, it works for the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works for the East.
0: I feel like it could because. Like, and I, I'm gonna like touch upon like what uh what uh, Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon have said uh, previously in the past that I, I um, heard them say, and it was their opinion, and I, I agree with it, is that having a play-in tournament that involves maybe like again like the ninth seed or maybe tenth seed, it it incentivizes teams to not tank, and and in that sense, like let's let's say you have like. Let's take the Chicago Bulls who were the tenth seed and, and the Hornets who were who were uh, I think eleventh, tenth or eleventh, they flip-flop one of those two, right? And they're not great teams, but if with how close they were to the ninth seed, you know, and possibly the eighth seed, they could have they totally could have, you know, made a push instead of you know tanking, tanking the way out, you know, tank their way out. However, and I agree with your point though, that the Hornets and Bulls are terrible teams, and so are the Wizards. So it would would look pretty ugly, but I think with your point with the Western Conference, it'd be a lot more exciting for them than it would be for us in the East.
1: Yeah, it's it's rough. Hopefully, the uh, the power dynamics are a little bit better in the future. <laughs> yeah. but I, otherwise, I think the playing tournament it could really um, it's it is fun. It's uh it makes it so that because right now with the eight seed, everybody just thinks, oh, okay. I mean, congratulations you're going to
0: be out of here in four games. I mean, yeah. Plus, you know, isn't always true. We'll get to that later, but uh, yeah. Plus again, though, um, it, it makes, I feel like the last month of the season better. Cause again, at this point we know who's in the playoffs. Who's not, we know who's tanking and who is just mediocre, you know, you know, sinking mediocrity. Um, I think by having a play in tournament, Again, you have teams that are just on the verge of making the playoffs, decide not to tank and be like, okay, well, we have a shot. It's a, you know, it may not be a good one, but this is something that could maybe develop our young players that we have on roster. Or maybe you know, we go on a hot streak and we do make, make the play in tournament and possibly pull off the upset and make you know, the eighth seed and make the playoffs. So I'm all in favor. I want Adam Silver, though, to like, kind of clean it up for 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 future use but with the success that it's had you know this whole this bubble i think that he has a lot of um ammunition or support to or and, and and legitimate evidence to um to argue that hey maybe this is something that's good for our league and better our product and possibly drive up more revenue in the sense that if we do have fans in stadiums next season that they'll be able to go to this game and that they'll bump up TV ratings because everyone would just tune into this one game that matters. Right. So I think it'd be good for the brand.
1: Yeah. I think you, uh, you summed it up pretty well.
0: All right. And so, you know, I I consider this part of the playoffs Um, as we, as we all know, uh, starting on Monday and today we're game ones of, uh, of all the playoff series. So yesterday uh, we started off with a bang, with uh, Utah and Denver going to overtime. With Denver ultimately winning by ten. Um, my my one take is Utah needs to get Donovan Mitchell some help. I I wish that Boyan Bogdanovich was in the bubble because he would he would definitely help uh, Donovan Mitchell out because this man did it all by himself with fifty seven points and he you know that's like the most i think the second most um, points um, in the in the in a debut oh the second most in a debut is actually, it, it
1: might, maybe yeah actually yeah i think it is yeah
0: because we had mj63 right was that in his debut though um let me, let me look let me
1: all right but yeah while you do that um no it was a it was a great performance from uh from mitchell and uh oh actually well this wasn't mitchell's playoff debut
0: either because he uh, oh yeah so it was the youngest he's the youngest to drop 50 plus since mj63 right okay yeah i think that's also tied for like the third most playoff points of all time nice
1: with like uh, i think elgin baylor dropped 60 at one point and there's something like that oh geez anyway um yeah the um I think ultimately Utah's identity is we're a great defensive team, and Donovan Mitchell's gonna carry us on offense but in the playoffs, I don't think that that just isn't sustainable That's it, the it, ultimate it
0: right. isn't because again, they have no legitimate threats outside of donovan mitchell. I mean I guess you have Jordan Clarkson as a spark plug i you know. I mean, but he's he's literally a flamethrower. It's either he's on or he's off. You have Joe Ingles, but again, mm-hmm. I, you can easily ma- you can easily match up with him. I feel now that they have they don't have uh, Bogdanovich for this for this whole uh, rest of the season, or right. th- they'll have I think Mike Conley by game three. But still, my, like we, Mike Conley hasn't really impressed anybody. It's not right, like. A, um,
1: it might be too late by then too
0: i know so it's like i'm not gonna be like oh wow my call is really gonna make a difference here like i love the guy i love him as a player but he's not gonna you know make a difference for for um utah and i think rudy gobert too like I, he totally you know is not is a non-factor i feel on offense outside of you know his quote-unquote screen assists and being able to run pick and rolls with um with donovan mitchell like we all know Rudy Gobert is just a defensive guy. You know, that's what he's known for. But I don't – it's just – you're going to rely on Donovan Mitchell scoring like 50, 60 points a game in order to give you a legit shot at beating the Nuggets.
1: Yeah, no, Rudy Gobert, even on defense, it's like um, – it's been shown in the past that it's not hard to make him a non-factor on defense too. Yeah. yeah it's kind of a shame. he's he's like He's like 10 years too late. You
0: know? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, and again, like uh, I'm looking at these like at these players that played for the Jazz yesterday, and like they had Jawan Morgan start. Like, who the hell is Jawan Morgan? Like, they have no name people playing because they are either all hurt or not in the bubble. So if yeah, if they're probably going to get gone, maybe four one, four two. This series. So if I'm the Jazz, looking at what's what's happening unless someone else goes absolutely nuclear. The jazz this off season have to be looking at someone that should, you know, be a legitimate score outside of Donovan Mitchell because the whole comedy experiment did not work at all. Bogdanovich yeah. though is great for them and they'll need another person alongside those two to, to make it work on the other side of things though, with Denver uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic uh, doing their usual thing, carrying the, carrying the nuggets Jamal with 36 and Jokic with a double double 29 and 10. Um I, it's kind of expected that as the two focal points of of the Nuggets that they do have to carry the load of this team. They are still missing Gary Harris, who I think is still injured, but I don't think it really matters at this point because Gary Harris's season has been a disappointment for the Nuggets. But they do now have Michael Porter Jr as a starting uh, starting three. I'm um, kind of disappointed after the first half solid debut with uh 13 points and and 8 rebounds in the playoffs
1: yeah no it's uh, the Denver is a very bright future out of them they got the great young talents and uh of solid coaching staff and you know they've managed to uh keep uh Porter, Porter Jr healthy right <laughs> like that alone is a huge uh, accomplishment
0: I know <laughs> that dude. That dude's a. We said we said it when the last time we hosted together that he's made of glass, and um. Though the stupidest take I saw was that, um, the you know how like every time like uh like a person that was dra- uh drafted low, like, they put all the teams that passed them, and they're like, "Wow, how'd you guys pass on him?" Oh yeah, and someone did that with Michael Porter Jr., and it's like, well. They all passed on him because this dude had a broken back. <laughs> what yeah. are we? What do you expect from oh. that? Um, I I agree with you. Michael Porter Jr. has a has a bright future ahead of him, but I from what from what we've seen, especially in the second half, if he if he goes cold, he he is cold, and it's not just on offense on defense too. Because when Utah started coming back and um, forced overtime, uh, my, they kept targeting Michael Porter Jr. on defense. And then it led to um, Mike Malone subbing him out for, like, pretty much the rest of the game almost. So I think for for Denver, looking forward, they're going to have to make sure that Michael Porter Jr. like, stays locked in, in a sense, that if he's not on, you know, that he still stays active on defense because, again, like like Utah, Denver is is a pretty solid team on defense, anchored by Jokic. So, um they can still grind out with Utah as well. Yeah, no,
1: they. Um, you know, in the future for for Denver, I think they they probably will need to find some of those like uh, kind of defensively complement pieces. Oh yeah, I guess to, to for lack of a better term, because uh, you know, in the last game, uh, Murray played for forty minutes and Jokic played for forty
0: two. Yeah
1: and. You know that's not that's not sustainable.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. They did have Jeremy Grant come off for for almost forty minutes. Right. So that's I mean again, it's, Jeremy Grant is a solid role player, but again, to your point, is I don't think that's someone you'd be like, oh wow, like that's you know that's a defensive piece we need. You know, like I agree. Looking yeah, we to can't, we can't have them running Tom Thibodeau minutes. No, they can't. No, one hundred percent. We've seen what happens when you you do run Tom Thibodeau minutes. Um ultimately I think this is a 4-2 4-1 Nuggets victory but again yeah. like if, to me and this is before before we look ahead I think I don't this roster I don't think is going to make it far anyway so th- th- I think even with this playoff victory it's it's something to like reflect upon of is this our, is this Murray and Jokic's peak like do we need to bring in a third star and trade Assets in order to get that third star, because um, this happened last year. They they made it to the second round, lost to the lost to the Blazers, and here we are again. They're probably going to win the first round, probably going to lose the second round to the Clippers. And what where we are? Where we left with the same thing. So something to look forward to, but good start for the Nuggets so far.
1: Yeah, let's. Uh, speaking of the Clippers, let's let's move on
0: to that. Uh, not, oh my goodness, solid game. However, uh, it was mired in controversy with the with the K, uh, KP ejection, which I wholeheartedly disagree with. Um, the reason why he he had those two texts. Uh, the first one was a weak one, where he he cleanly blocked. I believe it was uh, I forgot who it was, but he got a clean block. I think on Paul George. If I remember correctly. And he was complaining to the refs because they called a foul on him and they teed him up. And then, uh, who was it? Marcus Morris then shoves Luka Doncic on defense. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a rough shove. It was like, it's—it's it's, you know, you know that there's a physicality there. And I guess uh, Doncic took it the wrong way because the, the game was pretty physical up until this point. And um, Kate, Chris Ops came up and uh, stood up for his teammate, and weak refs, you know, ejected him on a double technical. And it's you hate to see it because it's the playoffs, and these games matter. And these things like this decide decide games. Because at at this point of the of the uh, of the game, the, the Mavs were up by five. You know, sure the Clippers were coming back, but the Mavs still had a solid momentum going, where they were able to answer back. With whatever the Clippers did and so ultimately I believe that if if uh Porzingis was never ejected they they could have possibly held on to win just just yeah, because no, they, he's such a solid player
1: definitely they could have he was having a great game uh on both ends of the floor now I will say that the uh just as a bit of a caveat the refs did give Paul George a technical for arguing as well yeah but um, I saw some people saying that online, but I disagree with that line of thinking. Like, yeah, I think the the problem isn't hypocrisy. It's that the refs yeah, need to, 100%. like, just put the whistles away, you know?
0: I know, like, it's it's the playoffs. You know, like, I get it. Like, it's your job to obviously call, like, you know, call fouls and, you know, uphold the rules. But, you know, with the playoffs, like, you got to rip out, like, half of those, you know, half the rule book out because it's going to get physical. You know, people are going to keep diving. Yeah. People are going to, you know, beat up on each other and we all know why and it's it's not just to say it's entertaining but it's also because these these players know what's worth it they're going to sacrifice their bodies for it so i I, it also like also brings the stigma of like for casual fans you know or people who barely watch basketball you know that see this it it promotes the stigma that the league is soft and it's not because if for for us that watch it it's It's very intense. It's very, it's very um, entertaining.
1: Right. Right, And then on top of that, um, the casual fans right now all have like the whole last dance thing. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, it was so tough back then. And now it's so soft. But it's not. (laughs) Uh, Right. It's, you know, it's it's rough. The refs should not, the refs should not be a factor in dictating the winner of a game.
0: 100%. like um, in that big of a way. Even then too, like uh Doncic was even had to put the team on his back regardless putting up 42 um just just to you know beat the refs himself, <laughs> but um yes. however uh one thing to really note of with with uh Doncic as great as his debut was in the playoffs, um shooting 61% from the field um with seven rebounds and nine assists, he did have 11 turnovers. So um I don't it, this could have been like a factor of like you know having to force things without Kristaps even though um to to that defense too that um even when Kristaps was on the floor he, Doncic was trying to force passes in inside and obviously led to turnovers so if if the Dallas wants to maybe upset the Clippers like he he has to cut down the turnovers because he accounted for 11 of the 21 turnovers that the Mavericks had yesterday.
1: Yeah. I think it's just, um, it's, you know, this first time in the NBA playoffs and he's also playing like one of the best defensive teams in the, in the league right now. Um, He needs to just, uh, you know, there's a bit of the jitters factor and then, Mm -hmm. you know, Chris Saps also had, he had 19 points in 14 or 14 points in 19 minutes. Sorry about that yeah um and then after that you know the all the pressure was on luca who uh you know he's also only a t- a 21 years old he's he's just oh a kid.
0: yeah 100 so,
1: you know i think he'll i think he'll get better like as the series continues mm-hmm. um i'm hoping Chris Taps comes out with like you know a bit of a fire in him oh i agree uh i will say uh i saw a tweet where somebody was like uh Good on Luca for showing sportsmanship uh,
0: with the refs,
1: (laughs) and he was like fist bumping all the refs. Yeah, which I think also is, uh, I think that's also a bit of a a chess move by him to try to.
0: Oh yeah. You know, show
1: them respect, (laughs) even though they kind of screwed him over out of a. (laughs) That's so
0: stupid. Um, One thing I do need to, the the Mavericks do need to talk about, or you know, build upon for the next season is is the bench for sure. And I know they're missing Jalen Brunson and they're missing Dwight Powell, uh, who are both out for the season due to injury. But I think uh, looking at this, Seth Curry is like their only reliable bench guy. In the bubble, yeah. I mean Trey Burke. Trey Burke has his moments, you know. But again, just just like a Clarkson, it's either he's on or he's off. And last night he was he was off. Um, Boban, you, I love the guy. But again, you can only use him in certain situations, and for and for against the Clippers is the only time you realistically put him out there is if I, this zoo box in the in the game. But it's repetitive when you already have Maxi Kleba already doing that for you, you know. So, right. I they have Mike they played Michael Gidkil, uh, Kid Gilchrist with his wacky shot who actually hit two threes. But again, no, no one on this bench other than Seth Curry scares me for the Dallas Mavericks. And like, if I'm the Clippers, you know, if I'm not being bailed out by the refs, like this should be maybe an easily five game, six game victory for the Clippers.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, definitely. I I agree with that. Um, I think they do have some of, uh, you know, they'll have some decent cap space, uh, Going forward, at least until they have to pay Luca mm-hmm. his big contract in a couple of years, it's time for That's them to you. Get you. They should be able to do something,
0: something with it. Get Giannis make trade, make Team Europe. Oh, okay. <laughs> make um, Team Europe yeah, over there, the <laughs> Oh gosh, please do it, Dallas. For I will, I will cheer you. I would make you my Western Conference team if you do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, on the flip side with the with the Clippers. It was they finally have everyone in the bubble healthy so they have like every single player that they they rely on to they can finally use and so we yeah. finally saw the rotations um so you had pat bev usually starting pg zubak morris leonard now with with um harold and williams they, they the bench looks actually good now like really good i mean reggie jackson obviously isn't like the ideal backup point guard, but it, you know he's, he's a solid – he's someone that you could probably rely on on to just come off the bench and get you spot minutes. But right. um, again, like we did talk about, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, how well they do determines how, how far this team goes. Um, playoff B has not arrived yet. <laughs> um, he scored 27 on 10 of 22 shooting. Kawhi with 29. So, I think again, if Dallas can't stop these two, like, it's gonna be it's gonna be LA putting up numbers no matter what.
1: Yeah, no, they they need all hands on deck. They need at least some solid contributions from the other guys. I think that's uh, the Mavericks basically have to make it a shootout.
0: Oh to, yeah, to, to try to win. So we'll see how it goes. Um, one name though to to take note of that's I guess seemingly. Seemingly out of the rotation from last night was Landry Shamit, who only played eight minutes. So I, I don't know if he's in the doghouse or it's just that you know you already have Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, kind of manning the one and two, and that you can't really rely on um, Sham to play the three. But that's he's a solid, high potential three-point shooter. I, he, he's someone you can rely on off the bench. I feel. So, unless, like, Doc Rivers is really just really trying to shorten the rotations, I, I, I'm I surprised that we haven't seen Shamit for as long as we usually have during the bubble and during the season.
1: Yeah, most of the time in the playoffs, um, the coaches do tend to, like, go down to, like, usually an eight-man rotation. Yeah. That's kind of – or at least that's what, you know uh, – I know Eric Spolstra does that. And mm-hmm. the, Heat are, the Heat are my favorite team, so
0: that's yeah, I like, pay attention to the most. Yeah, but I so I agree with it, but I I feel like again with with the amount of uh, with how well I think Shem is as a shooter, I think you still can put him in because they're playing what well, like let's see, I they're playing these players about yeah almost forty minutes a game, and I mean it is expected for the playoffs, but you know, maybe to make sure that, you know, you load manage or whatever it is that you kind of even out the, the minutes a little bit um, moving moving right along with some of the other games. Uh, we'll talk about Brooklyn and Toronto for a little bit. I feel like it was the least exciting game. And I'm not just saying this cause the nets, you know, my nets got blown out, but um, for the most part, the the Raptors controlled the game. Um, and it's just a testament to their defense they came well prepared and wanting to stop Karis Avert and stop Joe Harris and all that. So um if you see these cli- like the clips of like how like the, the Raptors play team defense, it's amazing and it's something that like for for all like us basketball fans to really study in a sense to see how well they do Fred Van Vliet is such a freaking like he's a human torch. Man dropped thirty points and eleven for fifteen shooting and eighty percent from three there's you can't stop that
1: <laughs> yeah no he's uh he's one of those guys where if he's hot he's hot i mean they, there's uh, nothing you can do yeah i watched the i think i watched the first half of this game where the raptors dropped like 80 points yeah they dropped they went up and the 33 had like 50 or something
0: they went up by 33 at some point but
1: yeah
0: third quarter though they uh, <laughs> and, and this is again a testament to Jacques Vaughn, who actually you know adjusts to the situation and I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to push for, for him to be the head coach. Um, Even though like this could be just a small sample size and me overreacting, but he did adjust well. Um, He kept Timothy while Cabro in who absolutely was our best player on uh, yesterday with 26. Um, I doubt he's going to do it again tomorrow because he's, he's an on and off guy, but for for the Nets, I think they just have to figure out how to um, just break out of these these defenses that Raptors keep throwing at them, and really get Khris of going because he shot thirty five percent from the field, and though he only though he did get fifteen assists, like it's it's you know he needs to be scoring at least twenty five a game to at least give us a shot at winning. Um, Joe Harris, uh, I think, has been the best player in our bubble, and he again he delivered with whatever you could. So um, I think the Raptors still win this four, four, one, maybe a four O sweep, but I, I'm a pull for a four, one sort of thing. Yeah. Um,
1: no, the um, I think the only like concern from the Raptors end is uh, Pascal Siakam.
0: Oh yeah. He's not a number one guy for sure.
1: Yeah. He's at, especially in the bubble. And I think the main reason why um, so I also uh, I also watched a little bit of the, the third quarter where the Nets made a little bit of a pseudo comeback where, you know, they were down twenty instead of down by thirty. And they got within eight. Yeah. And that was because from what I observed, um the Raptors kind of took the you know took the took the foot off the pedal and uh tried to like get Pascal more involved in the offense and it just wasn't happening. I agree. He ended like, up with he ended up with 18 points on 31% 30%. shooting. Yeah, that's not Nine good of at those all. Those points came from the free throw line.
0: I, I mean, so. at, at least though he did have like a double double with his 11 rebounds. Um, but to your yeah. point though, like of, of number one options at this point, like maybe like hot take, you know, again, I'm not you know, and I'm not a huge like Raptors guy other than under defense, but what if what if, you know, Fred Van Vliet was the number one option? Like, could Is that even possible to think, to think of as for the Raptors? I'm not sure if he has the consistency factor. Um, uh-huh.
1: The Raptors are lucky they're the second seed and not, like, the third seed. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I think they, they would get a little bit more exposed from, like, you know, because the Nets don't really have a star player right now yeah. because of all the injuries.
0: Oh, I agree. The Sixers yeah. do
1: have a star player. So they're I agree. lucky that uh, they have this time to kind of figure out the kinks, maybe help Pascal get over whatever mental
0: block he's oh, in. Oh, yeah. Again, like I said, it's going to probably be a 4-1 Raptors thing. Looking ahead, though, Brooklyn, like, you know, Nets Nation, you know, we got Kyrie coming, we got KD coming, Dinamidi coming. It's just a matter of what the front office decides to do to build around them. Is Caris LeVert the third star? I believe so. But he needs to understand how to play off-ball in order to be that third star like for sure Um, if not I'm I'm probably gonna you know hope that Beal decides to demand a trade out of nowhere (laughs) and come to Brooklyn that'd be cool (laughs) but we'll we'll dream Um, last point on this game I hate Cal Lowry freaking hate his flopping like (laughs) tendencies dude like I'm telling like dude (laughs) um, I was watching it and I was just I was just so frustrated like look I love his defense and I love the leadership that he provides to the Raptors like I, I respect to that but his flopping, I just absolutely hate the most because you touch him once, and he looks like he just got sniped, like you know, in Warzone or whatever. Like, <laughs> dude, yeah, dude think... shot twenty one percent from the field. It's just he was able to flop so hard to get charges and calls yeah. that it, it it set up the Raptors so well.
1: Yeah, I think at this point the refs just kind of given the benefit of the doubt.
0: But Which it's so, it
1: is it is impressive that he you know like he takes real charges too from guys that are like and i respect
0: that than, and i respect that it's just so for some of these like for some yeah. of these calls like for, and i'm going to bring up for example the Rodeon's kuru's like foul out call kuru's did not even touch he, the man like he literally do like so kyle Lowry got the rebound but literally brushed his shoulder against Cruz and then like flopped onto the floor and then he got you know the, he got the call like yeah. if there's if that's a, if that's something that promotes a stigma of like the league being soft it's that like it's not like these it's it's not the you know these technicals it's literally the flopping like I get it. it's part yeah. of the game like where people try to draw the fouls and and again like I don't mind that but if you're gonna draw fouls you know make it realistic you know like if you're gonna draw a foul shooting, like I understand, like you're in the shooting motion, there's a chance that you get hit. If you're, you know, trying to trying to steal the ball and you get hit, right. you know, that that's something. That's if you try to get a charge like Larry always does, that's you know that's acceptable. But if you if you're you know you get touched and you you know throw your body away, I, I lose all respect for that call because that's that's right. a flop and it just kind of takes away from the game that you know. That's that could be that could be good.
1: Whatever, uh, whatever he gets the win. right?
0: <laughs> I guess, but man, make it, make it, have some, have some dignity when you do it. Yeah, I think as the, I think as the,
1: uh, as the playoffs go on, he's gonna get less and less of those calls because man, there'll I, be bigger stars. I hope
0: that. so. Oh man, I hope so. You did say that they are lucky they aren't the third seed, and so um, the third seed right now is the Celtics, and they are matched up with the Seventy Sixers. Um, who are without Ben Simmons, and so as as expected, though albeit it was really close, the Celtics pulled out an eight-point victory on the 76ers. Jason Tatum and and Gordon uh, or sorry, not uh, Gordon Hayward. Uh, Jalen Brown put up 32 and 29 respectively. I, I at this point I did say that Jason Tatum like is pretty much like what the Celtics live or, live or die by, but. At this point now, like with the past week and a half, have gone since I've said that. I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is literally the lifeblood of the Celtics. Like how they do determines if they win the game or not. And that's just not the slight. That's not the slight. Kemba Walker, you know, he's a Kemba Walker is a great player. He's an All Star, but yeah, he's during this bubble he's struggled, and it's he's like a he's like the third string. Like he's your ideal like third like third wheel to these this this dynamic duo that that is Tatum and Brown other news though with that is Gordon Hayward uh left the game with an with a ankle sprain and it was reported today by yeah. Woj and Shams that it's a grade 3 ankle sprain and he's out a month so yeah, realistically he's not back until maybe the tail yeah. end of the the semifinals who, who we're assuming right now will be against the Toronto Raptors. So I, in my opinion, I think, I mean, it's, it's a good blow to the Celtics. Cause you know, Hayward, Hayward is a good player for it, for the Celtics. Like he's a good role player, but to me, it's not like he's, you know, all of a sudden like, Oh crap. Like the, you know, the Celtics are going to tank, you know, like, no, like they had, like there's three better players on the Celtics than Hayward. So, the question is now is who fills in for Hayward. And at the moment it looks like it's going to be time Lord, Robert Williams. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> well, but <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to
1: disagree with you slightly on the importance of Hayward because um, I'm looking at the, the box score of this game right now. The Celtics basically ran a six man rotation. Um, mm-hmm. Only... So aside from those six guys that played over uh, 20 minutes, you had Enos Kanter with eight, Brad Wanamaker with 10, and uh, Robert Williams with 12. Mm -hmm. Um, If Gordon Hayward is that important to the Celtics, uh, that they're playing him 34 minutes and they're playing other guys Mm -hmm. on their bench, like aside from Marcus Smart, not even over 15, that could hurt. Yeah. Now on the other side, the 76ers – They're kind of forced to play Al Horford a lot of minutes. Yeah, and I don't know what happened to Al Horford. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know either. He he like he um, he's not good. Yeah, there's there's no other way to put it.
0: I I just I know to your point though to to Hayward like again it's, you know he is important you know to your point like, but it's just that. He's not game changing to. To me, like, it's not going to be like, oh, wow. Like, hey, being out in to decide this whole series. Like, no, like if, if there's a next man up, like mentality, like that's perfected so well, it's the Boston Celtics, you know, throughout the throughout the years, they've shown us like, hey, you know, just because one guy is down, we have another player that is legitimately that could legitimately fill this role, whether it be, you know, Time Lord himself or maybe Grant Williams or whoever else that gets, you know, extended minutes. I wouldn't sleep on the fact that like one of these players can have a solid series against the Sixers for in in replacement in replacement of Hayward. The only time I would worry about is again the next round when they have to play the Toronto Raptors. Um to your point on on Horford. Yeah, I don't I I don't know if it's just like a it's, it's a bad fit type thing or or that he's legitimately washed or it's both. But good god, man worst player on the oh, worst player on the the Sixers uh, by far
1: yeah, That's pretty depressing.
0: He's so much slower than he used to be on the Celtics. He's he can he can't shoot. He can't no. do nothing like I yeah,
1: now uh, I don't want to really talk about it. I, no. <laughs> no. I the I don't know why to, they want
0: I don't know why they want to start Dable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe well they Played Thiebel like, I think Uh, they played Thiebel like 32 minutes and they played Orford 31. So it's pretty much like he was starting.
0: Yeah, but the Sixers kind of
1: have a depth problem as well. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Now, now, going back to what you were saying before, the next man up mentality.
0: Yeah. This might
1: be the hottest take I've dropped on here so far. (laughs) I think, but I think Brad Stevens is vastly overrated. Wow! Now we'll see if he can. Maybe he can disprove me with, uh, you know. Really? Oh yeah. Dude, there, uh, as soon what? as he, one of the main parts, one of the main things that a coach has to be able to do is get star players and role players to buy into the system. Okay. He was not able to do that with Kyrie Irving, and okay, wasn't that's fair. Really able. He wasn't really able to do that with the other guys either.
0: Okay, like, fair. He had
1: Marcus Smart thinking he should be getting you know, more touches
0: than Kyrie Irving. Like, yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Like, so so to your point though, like, I'm not, like, I I disagree. Like, I think Brad Stevens is a great coach and he's perfect for the Celtics. But I do agree with your point though, that I don't know if he knows how to manage star players, like especially established star players. And that's the key word they're established because again, with your point on Kyrie, like Kyrie already knows how to win, you know? He's one right. with LeBron. He knows what to do, and I think the tipping point was when you know Kyrie didn't get that ball against the Magic, and they they set up a play for Tatum instead. Like, Brad Stevens is great when it's right. star, when his star players are homegrown, like Tatum and Brown. You know, um, you can't count Kemba as like someone like oh like he has to manage because Kemba's we already we've seen it in Charlotte. He's very humble and he's very like example driven. Like he'll, he'll easily buy into any system. That's just who he is, you know.
1: Yeah, no, the uh, the Hornets didn't even offer him a contract. He might yeah, have actually, <laughs> he might have stayed if they had offered him a
0: contract. Yeah, so it's so it's like again, like you know, to that point, like I I think Stevens is a good coach, and he I, he's a you know he's a winning coach. I don't you know we have yet to see him you know win the finals, but I think he's a coach that would take the Celtics there. But I will, I will agree that when it comes to star players, unless it's homegrown, and we only have the limited sample size of Kyrie, that you know it's not going to work.
1: But yeah. Either way, um, I think my ultimate takeaway, because even after Hayward, you know, if he comes back in the month timeframe, that's mm-hmm. going to be around the time his son is born. Oh. So f- there is So there's also that. I think the Celtics are a second round exit.
0: Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, we'll see if Tatum and Brown can do something. On the Sunday Sixers' note, uh, I, I will agree, lack of depth. All they have solid off the bench is Alec Burks and Theibel. No no Maz, barely any minutes, no Neto. So, I mean, Brett Brown is a terrible coach, so I don't think he's going to figure it out. So, <laughs> Sixers fans, I'm sorry. But um, you guys are done in probably five or six. Embiid can't. can do everything.
1: Yeah, no, he he does not. I don't think. And also, like, you know, unless Josh Richardson becomes the star player, the Sixers thought he was going to pick up.
0: I mean, he, there's potential there, and and I agree with it. But uh, right now, it's it's he's very on and off when it comes to doing that. So we did uh, recap Monday, so we'll move on to today. Shocking news uh, that blew everyone's mind: the Orlando Magic. Who with a worse roster than the Brooklyn Nets have somehow upset the Bucks and beat them by 12? Who are right, which makes no sense to me. <laughs> Niko Ni- 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 yeah. Vucevic put up 35. I Terrence Ross, I guess, put up 18. And uh, I, I, I the only the only reason I, I can see like the the Bucks really losing is literally because. Chris Middleton was absolute garbage. Um, and the yeah. fact that Brooke Lopez is not like his Brooklyn self no more. And he cannot hang with big guys like Nikola Vucevic. Cause my gosh, Vucevic like had his way with him. Um, uh, yeah. This doesn't change my prediction. Like, I, you know, bucks and five, like they'll figure it out. I'm not going to hit the b- panic button. You know, if if the magic were to if the magic were to somehow you know go make this like a you know they steal two games and maybe I start hitting the panic button on on my pick on the Bucks to to win the East, but um, I I don't know like, I yeah I'm gonna loss it's, for words.
1: It's uh it's definitely a rough look. This is the only game that like I didn't even watch a minute of. Uh, <laughs> I just you know, like it's just that. So the Bucks would kind of have it down. Oh, With that God. being said, I'm not entirely surprised about uh, Vucevic. You know, um, as a Heat fan, he's a routine Miami Heat killer. Yeah, Oftentimes, he'll drop like 20-20 like games on the Heat. Uh-huh. Um, I'm used to it at this point. I am surprised he went 5 of 8 from 3. That's...
0: I didn't expect... I, I guess he does three. that now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, now, on the other side from the from the Bucks perspective uh they just need maybe the Magic's uh game plan is to uh let Giannis do whatever he wants and uh just try to
0: beat everybody else. everybody else I guess
1: that's probably the only way you really can do it cuz you know Jonathan <laughs> Isaacs might have been the only one that could
0: stop Giannis possibly try.
1: Not it not even stop him just like hinder him a little bit I get you know?
0: I get that it's just for me like when you when you have Giannis dropping 31 and 17 you have no excuse of losing. There's just no excuse like you have right. your, you have the best player in the NBA literally almost having like a 30 and 20 game and you lose by 12 to a team that shouldn't even be here, you know.
1: Right, Giannis even hit 3 three-pointers. I, there's <laughs> not much more you can ask like, him to do.
0: Yeah, I know. And again, I'm gonna pin this stri- strictly on Chris Middleton. Like, it, he's you know, if he's your second best player, like he shouldn't be going four for twelve. And if you know, even even then, like he, he's your, also your best three point shooter, and you're gonna have him shoot thirty percent from three. Like, no, like I I assume you know, I assume that like they'll bounce back, and probably you know, win four yeah. one. But I'm gonna pin this mainly on Middleton, and I guess Eric Bledsoe as well but I mean again Eric Bledsoe you don't rely on him on offense you rely on him strictly for your defense so it's it's I
1: mean Eric Bledsoe he you know like you can't realistically expect more than the 15 and 5 stat line he had from him yeah like, he's not a star player
0: that's that's literally it
1: that's all the like, numbers from him
0: um it, I don't know it's bad look it's a bad look on Milwaukee um but it's not enough to like you know panic you know panic button um, their their pick as a as a Eastern Conference champion just yeah, yet. I think,
1: I think this is more a rough look on. Maybe it's just like one of those games they had like a bit of a defensive meltdown because yeah. you know the Magic had six players in double figures and Evan mm-hmm. Fourier had nine points, so you know basically seven players in double figures. That's not common for the Bucks.
0: Yeah, that's you know that's fair. It's uh, again, I think. I think also it's just that the Bucks have probably been, you know, falling asleep, knowing that yeah, it's the true. that or like Orlando, Orlando's like home, like home court advantage is real. And that we were just <laughs> they were just waiting for the playoffs to unleash it. So we'll see. Um, I don't believe in magic, so I'm gonna say that the Bucks probably gentlemen sweep this and just you know gentle nudge like hey here's your one win make it respectable and then it's over from there
1: yeah i'm I'm personally hoping the magic can take another one just so the bucks oh, are god. maybe a little bit more tired when they get to the second round oh
0: god i don't want <laughs> man no i'd I'd hate like i hate seeing that i just think it as cool as it would be like i feel like it would ruin a lot of like like the playoffs in the sense of the fact that like it delays the inevitable, like my like Miami versus um, Milwaukee game or series, and you know that's what we want to see first and foremost. Oh, and no. they're all healthy.
1: If Giannis averages like thirty and fifteen, and the Bucks lose in the first round, he's gone.
0: Like like he's out. if he if he if he if they do lose another game with Giannis going like you said thirty and fifteen. I'm gonna fire a trade machine and get Giannis to the Warriors, like you know, right after the whistle blows. Because oh that is, god, I'm going to like that's it. Like there's you can't you can defend that.
1: No, nah, man, the Warriors already had their turn. It's somebody no. else's turn now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Giannis to Miami is what you probably want, but for the for all memes and purposes, let's just scout Giannis on the Warriors. Bob my Bob Myers oh, is light years no. ahead. You know, you know they're already light
1: years ahead about this. Well, we'll see. Maybe they can get. Maybe Lamelo Ball can help them win a title.
0: Uh, oh gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> sp- speaking of Miami, um, they they did come out and beat the Pacers one thirteen and one hundred and one today. Uh, so Jimmy Butler's now two and a go- two and o against T J Warren in the bubble three and O all time. I I be- I did not watch much of this game. Um, and you know since you are a resident heat fan do i'll i'll leave up all the floor to you and uh, kind of break down the game for everybody
1: well at the at the beginning it was um it was it was actually this game was fairly competitive the entire night very little i think once in the third quarter the heat went up by ten and then at near the end they went up by ten again um overall it was a good back and forth game the pacers are under you know their uh understaffed with Sabonis out and then they also lost uh, Oladipo I think near the end of the first maybe in the beginning of the second Um, a bunch of players were going for a rebound and uh, Jake Router by all intents and purposes it looked like an accident you know I watched it again and again to see if it was malicious Uh, he poked uh, Oladipo's eye pretty hard and then Oladipo went to the back and didn't play after that Overall, it was a great game. The Heat got much-needed scoring from Goran Dragic in the fourth quarter, and Jimmy Butler kind of he kind of reminded me of Dwayne Wade. He uh, he started uh, he started shooting the ball, shooting three like he had two threes in a row out of nowhere. Hit more, hit other shots. Um, It was a great game for the Heat, and uh, it's tough luck for the Pacers.
0: I mean, apparently, so according to Mark Stein, that. Those two threes were the first one since March, apparently. Oh my god! So I, <laughs> goodness, um, so is so Butler, I guess, just completely abandoned the three until now, <laughs> just to, to flex on TJ Warren. Um, my take on it is a great game by Miami. Um, we know that when Miami is a playoff team, that especially under Eric Spolstra, that they're a great, great competitive team. Um, All respect to Coach Spolstra for sure. Um, My thing, my my only concern um, is I want to know why Kendrick Nunn did not play because he's he's considered, uh, you know, part of the rookie of the year race, even though it's obviously going to be Ja who wins it, but um, no no Kendrick Nunn today. All we had at the guard was Goron and Tyler Hero and Robinson who struggled from the field.
1: Yeah, so um Nunn has been kind of having a rough go in the bubble. Uh, I think first, I think first okay. he was one of the two heat players that actually had covid. Bam Adebayo was the other one.
0: Oh. Before the bubble started. Okay. So
1: he and Adebayo arrived late to the bubble. Then he had to mm. leave the bubble for some personal reason. And he came back now. And then, on the other okay. hand, on the other end, it's uh, Eric Spolstra. is He's a good coach, and he's good at making like solid, like game to game adjustments. But in games okay. themselves, he's very rigid with his game plan for the most part. Uh huh. So if he told Kendrick, "You're not playing today," you know, even if
0: he's probably, he's probably not
1: going to play, which I don't really mm-hmm. like that that much but yeah which is you know.
0: it, it's just interesting because Derrick Jones Jr who we we thought just died on the court when the, they last played each other yeah. um, last week was I mean again he had like that neck injury and I guess it was it was minor enough for him to play but it's weird that he got to play you know after nearly dying like you know right like having a, like, a possible like serious injury over none Um, I don't I don't know. I yeah, do um, I do like seeing Andre Iguodala get playoff minutes, though, for you guys.
1: Yeah, Iguodala, he played, uh, you know, he didn't have much of an impact on the box score, but his defensive impact was, uh, mm-hmm. was clear. I think that's the other thing, uh, the defense. When you have Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn playing mm-hmm. big minutes, your defense is pretty much screwed.
0: Is I Nunn mean- not a good defender?
1: he's kind of undersized all the heat guys try like you know they're in the stance, they're moving their feet but they're uh-huh. not they're not very you know tyler and duncan aren't very athletic and uh, none is yeah. and none is pretty small like he's just a small a small guard
0: okay so, so i mean I, I guess i could warrant him maybe not playing against a bigger team like in indiana
1: yeah no they they Heat struggled to guard uh they struggled to guard Malcolm Brogdon in this game.
0: Yeah, so. but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I, am cheering for none, from undrafted to you know possible rookie of the year. Um, again, like I, like we talked about uh, just a couple of seconds ago. Happy to see Andre Iguodala get playoff minutes. Um, I know he snaked his way out of Memphis, but um, who's <laughs> laughing now? He's he's in the playoffs. <laughs> Memphis isn't. So that's a ten thousand IQ like move for him to do. And like you said. And I know Warriors fans who listen, you know, who are listening right now, like, can agree. Andre may not show up on the box score, but his basketball IQ and the things that he does on the court are literal championship-winning plays. Uh, yeah,
1: no, he's he he definitely like Eric Spolstra has a favorite type of player,
0: and uh, it's he's Iggy. a player
1: that makes winning plays. And Igodala is like a cookie cutter.
0: Type of uh, type of guy.
1: Model
0: of that. Yeah, he he, you know, he's smart. Doesn't do dumb things, and he knows when to deliver. So, yeah. you know, moving right along, it's on the flip side. You know, with with Indiana down o one, TJ Warren, um outside of you know having a solid you know first half or so, and and kind of maybe like someone in the second showing out in a little bit in the second half. Oh, uh, he did score t- you know twenty two. And was also like helped with Malcolm Brogdon, who also scored 22. Uh, I love seeing the Pacers scrap with with whatever they have on the floor. But this no name like lineup thing has, you know, this got to stop, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty. Now, I will say this game was like the opposite of the Clippers Mavericks game. I feel like the refs just kind of let them play and be more physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was definitely, uh, I think it was, the, it was probably the lowest scoring game of the playoffs so far. With uh, the Heat scored one hundred thirteen, the Pacers scored one hundred one. It seemed like all the other games went for like one twenty plus for for both teams. Oh, actually, no, the no the Celtics, Celtics Sixers, six, yeah, went yeah, yeah, one hundred nine, one hundred one,
0: one hundred no. one.
1: Yeah, so it was a good, solid, like scrappy type of defensive game uh, at the end Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler kind of went off to score like 24 of the h 30 points in the quarter or
0: something uh, like that yeah I mean I again like I, I love defensive games and stuff like that um, and I think like it, it's kind of like a good like contrast to what we're used to in the NBA now like especially with how how there's so much emphasis on offense yeah so it's good to see the basers like with a with a throwback type thing um but my gosh man i, I again like i know like i, I said earlier it's just this no name lineup is just you know i vented to you about it before when we were you know kind of running over what we were going to talk about today but you know you you're playing guys who like who's edmund sumner like who's who's jakara samson you know like who are like who are these guys like I mean, you do have the holiday, like the the lesser known Holiday Brothers, but they're not even as good as Drew. So they, you know that you can consider them like no names. Like the literal people you only know are TJ Warren, Miles Turner, who did not have a good game at all. Um, yeah. Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, and Oladipo was gone um, for like literally forty minutes of the game with his injury, and he could very much be gone from the Pacers when when his contract runs out. So, like. I I applaud Nate McMillan for yeah, no, he's doing a great job for yeah for doing a great job with whatever he has oh and all respect to the God T J McConnell forgot about him all respect to him they actually, <laughs> but
1: they didn't play him much but they actually did like they put him in near the end of the third quarter and immediately went on like a ten to nothing run and then I they know, put him it, out fourth again
0: he's because so, he's a good like he's a solid player we we said it. We talked about it like the last time. You know, last time we we hosted together that the Pacers they have they don't have quote unquote bad players. Like they're all solid players, like TJ right, Doug McDermott. But as solid as some of these players are, like again, these no name guys, like as quote unquote solid as they are, like you're not they're not going to match up well against Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson or you know players like you know with with that kind of stature because right. you know they're they're just end of bench guys that are forced into this role. Um
1: yeah, I believe in the discord server uh somebody said the Pacers are they're a team of third options and role players. And,
0: <laughs> but they're good. I mean, they're good role role players and third options though.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. But unfortunately, especially with Oladipo only playing 8 minutes, uh that's just not going to that's not going to cut it.
0: I mean, my my one concern, too, is that like you played uh, Jakar Sampson, Edmund Sumner, right? Like, um, Edmund Sumner, I'm, I'm looking at this as a guard, okay, I I, I guess. Um, and then you have Jakar Sampson, who is – is was that their big man that they used? Yeah, he's, like, the big man that they used outside of Miles Turner. And you have Goga Bedatse. Like, I get it, he's slow, but he's the size that you could probably use to, you know, maybe try and stop Bam, you know? And just guard the paint, but uh, other than him, yeah. Goga being slow and maybe inexperienced, it makes no sense. You play someone like Jakar over over Goga. Patience, fans, if you want yeah. enlighten me, but I, I don't know. He didn't. He didn't like five, maybe six. I want to see a TJ one yeah, get so. some. Oh, I want TJ one to redeem himself. Right now. Uh, Jimmy Butler is like sunning him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean Jimmy did say I can guard him but he can't guard me. And that's <laughs> I mean that's pretty facts. much, exactly that's pretty much facts,
0: yeah, that's pretty much facts. Um so again, those are the games that we did, you know, that you know we're going to plan on covering right now the 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 Rockets and Thunder are, are playing and at this moment at, of this recording um the Rockets are up on the Thunder by a lot. So we'll we'll probably cover that on another show. All right, so uh, moving right along to uh, the rejects of the bubble or the teams that, you know, didn't uh, either make the playoffs or didn't even even touch the bubble anyway. Um, A lot of news and a great news for for some of us here. Um, Chicago Bulls are finally free from Jim Boylan. He is finally fired. Um, Bulls fans, you don't have to deal with him anymore. Um, This man who who made you run suicides proclaimed that he was Greg Popovich made you clock in and out of practice, whatever bullcrap he did, he is gone. And I, this, it's a whole new chapter now, because again, they have a new front office with Carson Novus, Carson, Carson, however you pronounce his last name, I forget. And you know, they have now the opportunity to, Hire someone that's respectable, and won't proclaim that he's Greg Popovich.
1: Yeah, um, when you have in in today's league, that kind of uh, that kind of coach just just doesn't work since the players have more leverage than uh, oh, organizations. Yeah. So great move by the Bulls. A rare good move by the Bulls. <laughs> I know. Like <laughs> um,
0: I get it. Like if you're t- if you're a tough coach, like it's good to be a tough coach. You know. But don't be a dick about it. Your players matter. Don't be a dick to them.
1: Yeah. No, that, that shit doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know.
0: However, though, uh, they do they do have a, a quote-unquote candidate list as reported by Woj so far. And um, right now they have Denver assistant Wes Unsell Jr., uh, former Brooklyn head coach Kenny Atkinson, uh, Toronto assistant coach, Adrian Griffin, who is currently mired in some controversy um, and current Bucks assistant, Darvin oh. ham. Oh yeah. So if you do not know, Adrian agent Griffin is currently like accused by his ex-wife of um, domestic abuse. So that's, that's something to take note of. He's obviously, he's oh. obviously denied it and the Raptors put out a statement about it. Um, it's not as convincing as he, you, you know, you'd like to see. And, um, again, there's, there hasn't been any um, evidence that's been put forth other than her statement of what he's done. But it's, it's very troubling to read that if you're, if you're a potential you know, head coach of a team that um, this man is now a domestic abuser and that's not a good look for him or the team or the league. So that's something to yeah, take note no, of. Rough. Even if he
1: gets exonerated, that's
0: it's still it's still a look, but bad look. Um however, um my pick though, um, and I, I've said it again and I'll keep I'll keep hammering it. Please hire Kenny Atkinson, uh Chicago. Like he is the ideal coach that you would want to, you know, have coach this young core of Zach Levine, Kobe White. Um, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Daniel Gafford. Like he's you know, he's great at development. Um he'll develop Levine to something even better than he is now. And he's already he's already a rising star. Um he'll get the most out of these young players. Like he, he fights for these players. Um he's a really he's a really good players coach. Um the only issue you the Bulls fans will the Bulls will have to deal with is how rigid he is. And it's not like he's rigid like like Spolstra. It's more so like he is very set in his ways, and the fact that like he won't change anything, you know, like oh,
1: so you're, so you're saying, he runs like the same sets and everything. But,
0: oh my like, god, yeah! Like that's like the biggest pain that you, us in Brooklyn had to like deal with, because you you would think that like once you got Kyrie, that you would change like the offense around to where it would work through him. Oh, okay. But he he kept this whole. He, he still maintained the whole offense of equal opportunity. You know, everyone gets an equal like shot at possibly like popping off and stuff. Um, his rotations were really bad, still. Um, so the th- so the thing is, right? Is again, I love Atkinson as a coach. He's a great person, great development guy. In game coaching, not good. That's that's you know that's the that's the trade off here. Um, he does not know when to call timeouts. Um, he he does not. His rotations are bad. Um, yep. He does not know how to use coaches' challenges at all. Oh man! After timeout plays aren't good, so like he'll he'll get you to overachieve though. That's the thing. Like even even as bad as it is, you you can you can excuse like a lot of it because he he somehow gets you to win games. You know, um, it's I don't know how. I think more so like he learns with you, but if he doesn't know how to do that with Chicago, I don't know if he's gonna last longer if he does get hired in the league.
1: You know what the saddest part of that is? It's up. Uh, even though you pointed out all these things that uh, Atkinson maybe is like a weakness of his, it feels so much better than Jim Boylan.
0: I know, and that's the sad part. That is so sad.
1: Like, there's nowhere to go but up. Oh, my gosh. Know. Boylan's like...
0: Um,
1: at, at least with Atkinson, they're not going to like have mutiny
0: text change. <laughs> <laughs> or like players only mean he's like saying, hey, we need to get rid of this guy. Like... Oh my oh, goodness. I mean, yeah, like and, and that's the difference because Atkinson vouches for your for, for the players. Like he's a players guy. He knows like he knows how to relate to them and what like makes them tick. So like he, he puts them in better right. situations than Boylan could ever, you know, do. Um one thing to note yeah. of though, um, with with Atkinson, and we'll touch upon him later, is that he's he he has there. the Bulls have some competition. We'll talk about that, you know, in a Later on um, one thing to to do that is, I think noteworthy is um, by firing Boylan. I think this possibly puts to rest the Levine trade rumors for now, because we did, there's a report by Ian Begley that the Knicks and the Nets were somewhat interested and in then, you know, they're kind of gauging his market. So um it was rumored that if Boylan was still the head coach, that Levine would 100% demand the trade. But right yeah. now, we don't know. He could, he could still very much be traded to either the Nets or the Knicks. But right now, the Boylan um, firing kind of benefits the Chicago in keeping like their one star.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping he kind of sticks around because, uh, you know, in April the Bulls fired uh, Garpax, and then mm-hmm. now in August they fired Boylan. So. Mm-hmm. I hope he gives them a chance. I think they, you know, they have like a new regime in and they're trying to change their ways. So
0: yeah, hopefully
1: I hope hope they, they can develop some of that talent they have and do well with this.
0: And it's not like they have a bad roster. Like they have, it's a solid roster. It's just terrible coaching. Yeah. You know, if you get, if you get Kenny Atkinson there, like he'll probably get you to overachieve and you'll probably surprise and be like the eighth seed, you know? Um, However, though maybe, Levine
1: maybe make that play in tournament next. I know, season. right?
0: That's the thing. That's possible with under Kenny Atkinson's like development. Um, but however, Levine said he does want to win. So hey, man, if you if you somehow do listen to this, Brooklyn is a great place to win. We have Kyrie and Katie, demanded <laughs> man. <laughs> um, so continuing with the firings, um, one of the one of the bubble firings we got was Alvin Gentry being fired from the Pelicans. So his his tenure there is over. Um, I think he'd be a great assistant somewhere, but you know, um, tough yeah, luck. I
1: think uh, I think it's a it's kind of a it's kind of a rough look from the Pelicans because I'm pretty sure he was the whole Zion minutes restrictions and stuff.
0: Wasn't his like,
1: fault. Yeah, like he was probably getting direction from the health David team Griffin or whoever or the health people. Yeah, yeah, but you know. As usual, I mentioned it the last time I was on here. Um, The coach is often the the black sheep, kind of. Yeah. In any situation, I I feel bad for this guy.
0: I know he's just he's a solid offensive coach. I think again he he's a great he's a solid coach offensively, um, defensively. Like there's there's obvious question marks, and we saw that like throughout the season and and in the bubble. Um,
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's not his fault. uh, Lonzo forgot how to shoot.
0: I know, <laughs> like, I, like it's not—it's not completely his fault. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just, um, I think right now the best case for him, and I—I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is assistant somewhere. Um, yeah. Reunion with the Warriors? Why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but again, um, the roster did him no favors, and I feel like it's disingenuous to be like you know with with how the injuries turned out to be like to just fire him without him getting a fair shot. But um, we're not running that team. David Griffin decided that.
1: Yeah. Now the, um, the alternate maybe negative way of looking at it, maybe Zion wanted him gone because he was like, Oh, I wanted to play. You didn't let me play. Could you imagine the
0: drama, (laughs) (laughs) the drama if that was true. And that was leaked. Um,
1: well, yeah, that, watch out for that though. I think that might I, like.
0: I would. I would happen. lose. I would. I would blow my mind if that ever, if that ever became true. Um. However, they they have they also have a, a candidates list going. Um. Surprisingly, they have win now coaches and Ty Lue and Jason Kidd. Um. Another person That's on this crazy. list is a, uh, again former Brooklyn coach Kenny Atkinson, and the surprising the surprising name on this list is if, if available, if Brooklyn does not keep him, Jock Vaughn is considered for the job in uh, New Orleans. So that's, that's a surprising one. Um, the favorite right now is going to be Ty Lu, only because he has that relationship with David Griffin. Um, personally, uh, again, I'm going to vouch for him. If you're, you have a young core, Zion, you know, I guess, Lonzo, ingram hart you know all these young players It screams kenny atkinson like i'm going to keep vouching for that if if the nets don't you know hire jock von we go for tyloo instead um jock Vaughn would be a great hire i feel for the for the pelicans um yeah he's overachieved with the with the bubble nets and i you know it's something that i guess pr- it could prove that he's you know changed from when he was in orlando so it's something but Right now, I think Ty Lu is probably going to be the most likely hire due to his relationship with uh, David Griffin. Um, if I'm a Pelicans fan yeah. or a fan in general, I would never want Jason Kidd on the sideline as a head coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't want a guy with a, an ego uh, like, in there. That's why star players often can't become coaches.
0: Like I get it though. Like um, apparently the, the the story is that he's learned now that, that now since he's went to Los Angeles, but we've seen it in Brooklyn. We've seen it in um, in uh, Milwaukee. He's Milwaukee. not a good coach. <laughs> that is it. It's bar none. He's terrible. He didn't learn anything from Brooklyn. He 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 sure as hell did not. Probably did not learn anything from Milwaukee. So yeah. I now see since,
1: uh, since you're going to vouch for your guy um I personally I would possibly take the risk on uh trying Fizzdale again because Really just 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 hear me out on it. Okay. Uh he was uh he was the Heat's assistant for many years, Bolstra's mm-hmm. assistant. So he kind of has that uh Heat culture upbringing. Yeah. And the reason he got fired from Memphis was because uh, he had, like, an issue with Marc Gasol. Uh, because at that time Marcus Gasol was not the skinny three-point shooting guy he is now. He was, like, traditional, you know, plotting center Marc Gasol. Mm-hmm. So he got fired because he was fighting with the, you know, quote-unquote star player. And then they eventually, you know, got rid of Gasol anyway. Yeah. And then after that, Fizdale went to the Knicks. Yeah. And – We all know how that went. I feel like the the Knicks are like the Las Vegas of the NBA. What happens in New York stays in New York. Don't (laughs) disrespect my city.
0: Don't disrespect my city like that with that garbage man. No, it's not the city. It's the organization, not the city. Oh, gosh.
1: What happens in New York stays in New York. It has no reflection on your actual abilities as a player, coach, (laughs) executive, whatever.
0: Oh, my God. Man. You know, I get it. Las Vegas is a laughing stock of Corona, but no, we are not that level of bad. <laughs> hey, but, but
1: honestly, the Knicks are that level of bad. Oh
0: gosh, and that that, that you know that's that's Dolan's fault. It's always going to be Dolan's yeah. fault. Um, just like how our mayor is batshit, you know, batshit crazy. But you know, that's a totally different argument for another time. <laughs>
1: oh man, but no, but um, yeah, no, I think Fizdale. He, I still think he could. Try to implement the whole like because these players they need that kind of culture setting type of, uh, type of personality, especially if they mm. want to keep these guys together long term. You can't have okay. egos getting uh, conflated and whatnot.
0: I agree, and so my one the one thing like the biggest criticism, especially when he was in um in a New York, was the whole rotations thing. Apparently, that, that was an issue in, in New York. So I don't know. Like, is that should that should uh, should fans who you know ultimately have to cheer for the for Fizio if he does ever get hired again, is that a concern that they should be looking at? I'm gonna give Fizz
1: the benefit of the doubt because I don't know if you saw the Knicks roster.
0: Oh yeah, it's absolute it was, garbage. It was
1: like it was like five power forwards. <laughs> how do you dog How crap. is he supposed to make a rotation out of that?
0: Fair. I'll, I'll give him that one. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Fair. So um, we'll see uh, when it comes to to Chicago and, and New Orleans, um, they join the uh, Brooklyn Nets as the only teams right now in the coaching carousel. Um, there's probably more to come. We don't know yet. Um, teams like Minnesota or and um, or maybe Houston that could that could possibly open up. Maybe the Spurs, yeah. even though uh, Greg Popovich said he wanted to coach another year we don't know. Oh, he did. Wow. He said I mean, he's he, Yeah, it was, it was like his post-game uh post-game uh press conference. They asked him like, "Will you be coaching next year?" And he said, "Why wouldn't I?" So Oh, okay. Well. Wow. So he's going to be there on a bench, but we don't will he be with the Spurs? Who knows. Um probably is, but you know, who knows. <laughs> yeah. So that those, you know, those are some names to to pay attention to. Um last you know last thing uh i want to talk about here who all you people in sacramento all you two fans um (laughs) jump and rejoice vladi divac is gone Uh, you guys will have the opportunity to have a legitimate uh general manager or a vice president of basketball operations um, you guys are you guys are free from Vladimir Ivandohily even, even though he only like was there for 5 years but those long 5 <laughs> years um on a on a lesser note too, assistant gm Pe- peja Stojakovic uh stepped down as well so i guess uh, you know best friends on the kings when they played with each <laughs> other i guess i guess they are they I guess they are true writer dies <laughs> and they left at the same time i guess um, but you know, the kings are free. Um, I'm rejoicing with you. Um, it'd be cool to see the kings be as good as they were back in 02, and that'd be something. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this was a long time.
1: Mess them up this time.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine like LeBron and Nady are supposed oh, to repeat and the, the kings ru- or get uh, gypped out because of that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but long time coming, no. though. Diavach essentially just fucked over this team so on so many levels. <laughs> yeah, no, this um the only general manager that was
1: worse than him, I think in that time frame, uh was uh, former Suns general manager Ryan McDonough.
0: Oh man. You know,
1: uh, the guy who was responsible for drafting uh what's his name? Uh Josh Jackson, Mark Chris and Dragon Bender and all those you other know, guys.
0: So you know, in defense, in defense of McDonough, okay. Like I know we clown him. Like I, he's a terrible GM, one hundred percent. However, in his defense, he got Devin Booker. I, I, as much as bad as Marquise Chris was in Phoenix, he's good in Golden State. Um, TJ Warren bad on Phoenix, popped off <laughs> in popped off in in another market. So I'm I'm going to say this, it's not his fault completely. Not his fault completely. Did he do a bad yeah. job of like surrounding the young talent? Yes, i You know that's that's inexcusable. However, I'm the revolving door yeah, of coaches. Yeah. That is also kind of his fault and uh, Robert Sarver's fault. <laughs> kind of like kind of puts the Suns in a bad light. Dude,
1: this guy had Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, uh, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, and he still lost screwed him over. Them. No, he lost all of those like. Solid point guards, you know. It before the injury and Bledsoe and Dragic are still solid, and he didn't replace them with a single one. It took the <laughs> oh new uh, the new general manager, the uh, Heat alum James Jones, LeBron's greatest teammate, uh,
0: <laughs> to finally get them. Ricky Rubio. I know. <laughs> and you know, again to to the, to to the Suns, you know, that's what happens. when You get a competent front office, you get you become yeah. good. Um. So. Yeah kings fans it's it should only be up from here i hopefully because um I, I think the only other worst general manager i guess would be scott perry i mean but he he had a deal with steve mills but still it's kind Ooh, of
1: michael jordan
0: it's, <laughs> oh man but it's not, that's not his fault he hired cheap people that are terrible it's just he, it's just michael jordan doesn't want to pay anyone <laughs> like he he had no, uh, he had Mitch Kupchak for a while, but before he's that, still, no, Mitch Kupchak like, is still Mitch Kupchak still the guy. Oh, he's still there. Oh, he's still there. Wow. It's a. It's a, what's his name? His, his last name was Cho. But oh, David Cho, I think. Yeah, so whatever his name was, like that—that uh, that was the guy that was the the GM before Mitch Kupchak. And but those people are bad, so it's like yeah. Mitch, Mitch Kupchak. No, before the only that, was guy.
1: Actually, before that, during the peak Bobcats era, it was Mike himself he's oh. the one that's uh, <laughs> like how he like Morrison wizards and...
0: oh yeah oh man oh god gosh so oh, yeah geez. he was
1: also the guy he was also the guy that picked kwame brown on the wizards oh, yeah gosh
0: look kings fans you know there, there's only there's only up from here for you guys um but
1: yeah, at, at least vlade kind of tripped into a solid young core
0: i know somehow some way like look again um you know this was a long time coming um, he did trade away Boogie Cousins. And I, in hindsight, 2020, you know, hindsight, it looks better that now you have healed versus a crippled Boogie Cousins.
1: Jeez.
0: And this, you know, at the time, you know, the trade did also net them De'Aaron Fox, I believe, with those picks. I'm not, I'm not too entirely sure on that. I have to double check on it. But, I mean, yeah. it, it looks, in hindsight, it looks good. At the time, though, it looks super bad. Because before before uh, Boogie towards Achilles, like that AD and Boogie's duo was looking real good.
1: No, he still would have been like the he would have probably been top three center in the NBA. No, so all that stuff
0: I know, so I mean, I get it. Like I know it's it's a it's a tank win, you know future move, but I, I still think you could yeah. have been a lot better with Boogie, and I still maybe still get. Uh, De'Aaron Fox with that with a draft pick that you, you know have, but hindsight twenty twenty, um, he though the one thing that went for sure nailed him in the coffin outside of like his dumb, dumb like free agency or like you know trading moves was the literal Bagley over Luka Doncic pick, and apparently in in, in an interview post firing, he admits that he was. You know he he was the ultimate like decision making like it was him who made the, the call to take Bagley uh, over Doncic like it wasn't any front office like war or like power struggle between like the owner and him. Um, it was literally his decision to take Bagley, and he believed that Bagley fit better and his high poten is still high potential. Which, I mean, I guess he is. Um, it's just Bagley. Bagley's injury history does not help him at all, and it also doesn't uh, help that Bagley wasn't good so far. I
1: will say, I will say, in slight defense of him, I don't think anybody expected Luca to be this good, this fast.
0: Fair uh, point.
1: When he was when he was coming in, people were like, "Oh, he's European. He's gonna be slow." He was kind of like he was kind of fat back then too.
0: I know, but like,
1: but uh, you know hindsight you know, like, 2020, it, it was a sure. big over. It
0: was a big oversight. Uh, like, but like they probably could
1: have. Was Trey Young on the board on that? Happened?
0: Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, they the he so the the Hawks took Doncic at three, then traded him to Dallas while the the Hawks traded and got um Trey Young. Oh,
1: right, he was right. He was the second yeah. overall, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those are the those uh, are the trades that work. Yeah. The, they could have picked somebody better, but eh, I mean, you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles.
0: In benefit to the to the Mavs and the Hawks, like that's a trade that actually like benefited both teams long term. Oh yeah, bigly. Big <laughs> but going back to Bagley, like again, like if he like he fits better, yeah, because you know you have De'Aaron Fox as your franchise point guard, and we as we know that Luka Doncic is a is a guy that is ball dominant and runs point guard for the Mavericks, but still like. Why not take the shot? Like you you've seen how he like as as raw as he could have been like coming out of Europe, like this man won Euro League MVP at at 18, 19. Yeah. Okay, it's like he's already he's he's good. You know, like um I would you know again hindsight twenty twenty, I I would have easily have picked Luca and see how a Dier and Luca backcourt works. Yeah. Overgoing like fit because again like you're a rebuilding team if you're a rebuilding team you go for best player available not like what fits
1: yeah right and then if if it hits the fan you have a solid player to trade for assets yeah
0: that's yeah that's that's what it is like that's what cleveland's doing right now like what cleveland's doing as as bad as it looks like it's it's they're doing it right in my opinion so um one thing to take note of though um, you would think that Luke Walden would also get fired because he was a Vladi hire. Um, however, according to Sam uh, Amick, um, Luke has been confirmed for another season. So sorry, Kings fans, as good as things are, um, they're not completely good. So I guess there's two sides on the, on the coin, I guess, for you guys. Um, Luke is, Luke, I don't know, man. Like, he's he was overrated because he got to, overachieve with the seventy three and nine Warriors because you had freaking Steph, Clay, Dre at their peak. That's it. That's how we got the Lakers job. We saw in the Lakers job he did he did terrible um with them. And so I I don't know why he would hire Luke Walden after that as a head coach and even with the Kings now, like he doesn't look good doing it.
1: Yeah. I don't really have any uh big Luke Walton takes, but I will say um, this is a joke I've kind of been making since uh, since he got hired by the Kings. If Luke gets fired from Sacramento, Doc Rivers, you better watch out. He's coming to complete that California circuit. <laughs> I mean,
0: oh God, I would, oh one hundred percent lose my mind if that ever ever happened. Lakers, I'd lose it.
1: Warriors, Kings. There's only one California. Oh, oh God.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, like look, Luke Walton's. Uh, good assistant coach
1: that's not, that's not actually gonna happen
0: terrible <laughs> terrible head coach but i mean assistant like why not
1: you know it'd be wins. a really dark timeline if he ended up becoming the coach of the clippers because that would mean paul george and Kawhi are gone and oh
0: it'd be like the all, darkest. It's all done <laughs> oh, man but i don't know he's quite like i, I question how he brings buddy off the bench Apparently, like, I, you know, they do play better with him coming off the bench, but dude, no, like, it's it's bad when you pay max money to a guy that's coming off the bench. Um, yeah. No,
1: I mean, he probably has a year left to try to,
0: like, they need to at least
1: make the playoffs.
0: Like, if they don't make the playoffs, he's fine. Even, even if they make the ninth seed, they're not going to make the playoffs. Or, right. I mean, I'm, even if they make the ninth seed, they're not going to, they're going to fire him. They're not going to keep yeah, him. Yeah, most likely. Um so apparently to fill in though for uh, for Vladdy finally leaving um G- Joe Dumars will be will be the interim guy so he's kind of like the the head honcho now um he's it's reported that he'll be involved in the search for the new GM however and it's something to take note of is that he can be the permanent GM if he decides you know to be interested in it and it's something to take note of because um, Sam Amick, I remember f- uh, reading an article from the Sacramento Bee saying that a big reason why Vladi was fired was that there was a whole power struggle between him and uh, the owner and the fact that uh, owner... Yeah, Vivek. Yeah, Vivek wanted Dumars to be, like, have more power. And Vladi <laughs> wasn't uh, about that.
1: Hopefully Dumars will be better than his uh, former predecessor. Isaiah Thomas.
0: Oh gosh, easily, dude. Dumars, Dumars is already better. He built the pistons, like. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah, I forgot about. Built the pistons. That's right. That's right. It's just again, like, like Vladi with the second pick messed up hard and picked uh, Darko Milicic. Yeah.
1: So. Well, um, at that time they were trying to. I think everybody was trying to copy the success with
0: Dirk. Oh yeah, I mean you can defend that, but still hindsight again, 2020, bad luck. Yeah, no, it's rough. Um, if Dumars though is not interested in the GM job, which I mean I highly doubt, because I guess the v- owner of Vivek Renadive has it has very like has him like on a high pedestal. Um, the Sacramento Bee reports that the possible GM candidates include uh, San Antonio Spurs vice president uh, Brent Barry, Toronto Raptors general manager Bobby Webster. Uh, New York New York Knicks general manager, Scott Perry. um, Celtics assistant general manager, Mike Zarin, Miami heat assistant general manager, Adam Simon and Los Angeles Clippers assistant general manager, Trent Redden. So they, they have a good amount of names. Um, The big, the big name here is Scott Perry because apparently um, him, him and Joe Dumars have a great relationship. So it, it could be seen that Perry could be the favorite to to uh, get that job because of Joe Dumars, and they could do like a tag team thing. However, if I'm the Kings, like I would not do that because that's just two steps backwards.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, looking at these names, the Kings, like their head is in the right place overall. Aside from Scott Perry on the Knicks, the rest of these guys are all like
0: <laughs> really good all names. There.
1: Yeah, they're good names on uh, on good organizations from um, good front offices. So,
0: if I'm the Kings, like I I would go all in on Bobby Webster. Um, as much as Masai Ujiri gets all the praise for for building the Raptors, and and I agree, like you know Masai Ujiri is like a top executive in the league. Bobby Webster has been like a very very important part of building the Raptors. So. You know, if I'm the Kings, I would go all in on Bobby Webster.
1: I think I think they're the top two candidates. I would pick from these uh, these teams would be either uh, Webster or the the Celtics guy. Zarin? 'Cause they've, Yeah, because they've been making these two teams have been making great moves for the past like one hundred percent. I agree. Four or five years. So
0: I agree. Um, I, I also would put it put it uh, on the clipper's as assistant general manager too i'm um, sure that's jerry west making a lot of it but i you know Red and i feel has a big part in, in in these moves yeah knowing the kings though um i say hello to your new general manager scott perry <laughs> i'm all like all, you know I, I'm, gonna,
1: I'm gonna give perry the again the new york thing uh the Knicks thing i know the benefit of the doubt
0: okay. I mean, okay, look, I I get it. Like Mills was your guy that decided to have five power forwards, but you could have said no. You could have fought it.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: So uh, to all the Kings fans, especially with the, the relationship that he has with Dumars, have fun with Scott Perry as your new general manager, you know, knock on wood.
1: Hey, it's still, it's still better than Vlade. I mean,
0: that's, that's true. What it is. Um, they're back in the lottery again, but this time they don't have to, you know, they don't have the odds of being the number one pick again. So we'll see how they do that on Thursday. Um so as of now, um that is that's all we have today to talk about. So uh thank you, so Usman, for joining me. Um we're we actually plan on having a set schedule. Uh, now we're going to try recording twice a week. Uh, we're going to try recording. We plan on recording on Friday um, post uh, lottery recap. Um, and then next, starting next week, we're going to try to get Wednesdays and Saturdays as a recording day. So again, Hey, Usman, really, you know, thanks again for joining me today. Great basketball talks. It's always a pleasure talking with you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having
0: me on. Um, so again, this is nephew hours. um episode four. Uh, you know, follow us on Spotify, you know, keep promoting this amongst your friends, um, follow us on Instagram as well. And and Twitter, you know, help us build this brand that we've got going. We're just a bunch of, you know, guys on Reddit that love talking basketball. A lot of us just finished college or in, in college. So we're trying to, you know, you know, build something with whatever resources we have. So again, um, promote this amongst your friends, um, get this going and, you know, for all for the listeners that are listening right now and currently support us you know thanks again with everything and that's that thank you again guys